Uh, we're going to start with the two concussion and that storyline uh, from last night. We will talk with Danny Amendola about that and a bunch of other NFL stuff, a little story time with him. Speaking of stories, Aaron Judge, home run number 61, caught in the Toronto Blue Jays bullpen by my good friend Matt Bushman. So we're going to talk with him for about 10 minutes to see how that goes. Uh, we've got our bets for this week and a really long life advice. It just kind of goes on and on, but it probably be one you like. Please enjoy. This episode is presented to you by Lululemon. The perfect pants do exist, and you can get them at Lululemon. The men's ABC pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable, and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics, all made to make you look and feel good. Whether you're in the office, at the gym, cheering in the stands, or just relaxing at home, these pants are in a league of their own. Buy a pair today at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Last night sucked. Last night sucked for Tua. Uh, last night sucked for his teammates, uh, the opposition. Uh, everybody watching Tua suffer what we hope is only the first concussion, but we'll get to the uncertainty of that five days after. It looked like he'd gotten hit pretty well against the Buffalo Bills, which is all a bigger part of the story. Uh, as soon as he got whipped to the ground, I, I mean, like you, watching the game, I was like, oh, man, you know, one of those. And then when you see that fencing reaction, which I think all of us have seen where the hands are straight out, um, but his fingers were all twisted up, and it was just worse. I mean, it was it was tough to watch. Um, but, you know, we, we're looking at the timeline here of this because it's Tua. It's totally different. It'd be one thing if a guy, hey, it's it's the NFL, it's football, it's rough, a guy got a concussion, and he's carted off the field. There was one Cincinnati player who went down to, like, take a knee immediately, and one of the officials was like, all right, hold on. Like, you know, can you just get out of the way for a little while until we kind of figure out what's going on? He's taken to the hospital. Left at the stadium on an ambulance, and then I guess flew back with the team, which uh, other people suggested that's not what you should have been doing anyway. So I want to get into kind of what we know, what we think we know, what we don't know, which is really, you know, there's a lot for all three categories there. Uh, but again, the five-day part of this is what's most alarming for Tua and why there's so much, um, I, I, I want to know if questioning, criticism, whatever you want to call it, on the aftermath of last night's event. Because when we were watching the Buffalo game, you know, it's hot, it's Miami, he gets pushed backwards and then is basically stumbling to kind of get his legs again. And then he returned to that game. So if it actually was a concussion then, how did he clear it? Uh, how did he get back into that game? And then that leads to, you know, if it's a second concussion in less than five days, that's when you start getting into these danger areas, you know, depending on what you believe and what you've read about concussions. So what happened? What happened in the Buffalo game that took us to last night's events? Well, I watched Adam Schefter, who... You know, was really good on this. And he said that there, this originally was a head injury for Tua. And I don't know that it was officially reported that way. Maybe it was a sideline thing. Maybe there was miscommunication. But it was a head injury in the Buffalo game, but then it was a back and neck injury. All right? So that it wasn't actually his head. Okay. Um, they have a Dolphins doctor, and then they have an unaffiliated neuro trauma consultant who was appointed both by the NFL and the NFLPA and both cleared Tua in that Buffalo game. Both cleared him. But then Schefter added to this and said, 
But if you look at the full explanation of the protocols, it doesn't just have to be a head. It can be a back, it can be a neck, it can be a spine that falls under the protocol to not play. But the problem is, like a lot of times with this, is when the player gets cleared and the player knows that he wants to get back in the game. And there was a couple of former players saying, like, there's a there are ways, like when you've had a couple of concussions, you kind of know what to answer to get back into the game. And that becomes the team has to protect the player from himself. And so now that's led to speculation that Miami didn't care about the player, that they put him in harm's way. Mike McDaniel, the head coach, who's a very convincing speaker, uh, we don't know him that well, but our initial exposure to him, I feel like he feels like a sincere guy. Uh, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, right? But he was like, look, if this is actually that, then I would never have this happen. And this is going to lead to a big-time investigation. It could get really nasty. Schefter also added, which I thought was unnecessary, not by Schefter adding it, I thought it was unnecessary from other NFL teams, is that they were apparently texting him, which he added to the report, saying, well, after the Buffalo game, we would have never put our quarterback in the situation of play five days later. That's a really easy thing to do after the fact, right? Not one team would send that text to a reporter just randomly. They're doing it almost as if like, yeah, we would have never done that. Well, we don't know. You know, we don't know. Are you sure? You Are you sure your NFL organization has never put a player back in? Now you can get into the five-day qualifier and add how unique that whole thing is. But I, I just, I don't like playing the results after the fact and then other teams chiming in. And it wasn't like the teams were named, so they were somehow getting credit publicly for it, but I thought that made it more damning for Miami, which it very well may be, and all the damning will be justified, Um, but I thought that additional part of the report. So now we're left with this uncertainty of, wait a minute, if it is just a head injury, then they screwed up, but if it's a neck and back injury, does that mean they didn't screw up, or if it's just the back, or wait a minute, if you read the protocols, like, look, I remember seven years ago on ESPN Radio, I kind of, I don't know, I want to frame this the right way so I don't sound totally insensitive, but It's all we were talking about were concussions. When we talked about the NFL, I would say if the pie chart of topics, it would 40% concussions, 40% Kaepernick, and 20% football games. And it went on for years. You know, I had colleagues that started questioning like whether or not they should watch football, and they they kept watching it. Um, Mark Cuban, who I'm always fascinated with anything, any opinion he has on anything because he's so convincing and he's obviously a really smart guy with a great track record. Uh, But he started saying, well, you know, the NFL, I, there's no way I'd want to own one of those franchises. You know, I, I'm much happier owning an NBA team. I mean, that was bullshit. It was self-serving a little bit, too. It's also positioning his investment uh, better down the road, which is what a lot of these guys do when they go on financial shows and they have a position in the company and they're like, no, no, we see, you know, clear skies ahead, right? So, by the way, that's just not true. Like that whole window of are, are people going to stop letting their kids play football? Yes, I'm sure some of you don't let your kids play football. I'm sure... Plenty of you have friends that have told their kids uh, they're not playing football. And then I would always counter that with, have you ever been to the South? So the NFL is dead because of concussions. Like it just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen, but that became an overriding topic. It was like the media was obsessed with it. Um, So I felt like at that point, like it's a really brutal game and bad stuff's going to happen. And I'm not going to spend all week with the show's pretending I'm some sort of concussion expert because I, I I read a new article on it or I have somebody that's that's hypersensitive to the topic that's going to think the worst of all scenarios. But in this case, specific to Miami, you know, if this is investigated, it should be investigated. And if it's a massive fuck up and they put Tua in, in harm's way uh, by breaking any of the rules or if we need an updated version of the protocol, and these are all uh, good things if somebody's held accountable for something if it actually went wrong. But the assumption is that it's only that something went wrong 
because you feel really bad. You know, we, I think we're all, one of the cool things about us is that we actually do have feelings for other people more often than we realize. And everybody's watching this game going, this is awful and feeling total sympathy for Tua in the moment. Uh, if you are someone that because of the awful history of the NFL and dealing with concussions that wants to give them zero the benefit of the doubt, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. Uh, I understand the history, the doubt, the lawsuits, the neglect, the lies. I went through a timeline uh, that was on a website this morning, and it was kind of talking about all these things. And if you've read any of the League of Denial stuff about concussions, I mean, the league knew they painted a different picture. It felt like big tobacco there for a while when you go back and read how they position themselves with head trauma. December 1994, Commissioner Paul Tagliabue says on concussions, quote, I think it's one of these packed journalism issues, frankly. There is no increase in concussions. The number is relatively small. The problem is a journalist issue. Okay. That actually sounds somewhat familiar to what's happening in the last few years. But um, they initiated new return to play guidelines in 97. Uh, quote, repeated concussions can cause cumulative brain injury in an individual over months or years, the report warns. Um, there are specific player issues. Uh, Steve Young getting knocked out of a game, never playing again. I mean, I could go through the list of every former player that's had issues and then led to some tragic ending, which, you know, I think can be related to this sometimes, but maybe not always the way that it's played out. But then, you know, some of the stuff is so ridiculous because in 2000, uh, Jerry Jones actually told ESPN, quote, that he'd push Aikman to ignore concussion concerns if it was a key game, since all data that we have so far don't point to lasting effects, long-term effects from the head trauma. That's Jerry Jones in 2000, not 1950. I mean, it goes on and on. Like, these things aren't that old. All these, all these different pieces. Of, I mean, some of this stuff isn't even like 18 years old where they're just denial, denial, denial about all these things. So if you never, if you want to believe that today the system that Miami has and that today the system the NFL has, despite the NFLPA having a voice in this and having a third party that's not affiliated with anybody that's supposed to be there for the player's safety, that I thought all these things are improving. If you want to believe that none of it works and that it's all still fucked up, I'm not really going to tell you that you're wrong, even if maybe I feel a little bit differently about the excessive, like the motivations behind getting people out there, because it's very simple. Uh, the players all hate concussions until they get one, right? The players are all about player safety until it's kind of their own safety, and they want to find a way to get back out there. The fans hate concussions until, you know, it's Julian Edelman in the Super Bowl. And you're like, oh, is he going to leave the game? Like, hey, he's back. You know, and clearly, obviously, the NFL hates the concussions because last night's matchup with Tua and Burrow is a lot sexier than Teddy Bridgewater versus Brandon Allen. I don't know what happened in Miami. I don't know if this system is still completely outdated. I've seen plenty of arguments that it is. I would just say, once again, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to this. Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N. We are going to give out our three picks for our yearly competition here. 
uh, for our season-long NFL competition. So we will have those picks for you right before Life Advice. FanDuel has all your favorite bets, from the money line to the point spreads to player props. With live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. And when you win, you get paid, and you get paid fast. So sign up today with the promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N, for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and older in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non-withdrawable. Free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Okay, uh, let's let's hang out with Danny Amendola, who now a year out of football. Um, what's that been like for you, man? It was a long run. It was it was a fun career, and now you got some time off. But that first year is a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's great so far. You know, I get I get a different perspective on football. I get to watch it from my couch. Uh, it's, 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 it's a little bit, uh, you know, I, I still wish I could get out there and go sometimes, but, uh, I wake up Monday morning now and, and, and my knees are happy and my body's feeling good. So I can't complain when you decide, okay, I'm actually going to do this. Like it, I always kind of joke that if you know, any of you guys, like right after the season, everybody's retiring, <laughs> right? Nobody really wants to go to camp. And then there's that moment, if you have retired, where it's like, well, shit, I feel good. And, uh, you know, I'm working out. I'm stronger. Like, this is cover, cover. It, it never is 100% certainty, is it, when, when you decide to hang them up? It's just when you've been doing it your whole life. It's, it's, I guess this is the first, uh, first time I haven't had a football season in 26 years. So I've always had something to look forward to. Pop Warner, you know, through middle school, high school, and college. And... Um, you know, it's definitely, uh, it's like, you know, off season for life now, you know, I, I can, uh, wake up when I want, you know, kind of get into different, um, business stuff that, you know, as I want and, um, still kind of get my fix in football, whether, you know, go, go help a team out, go help high school kids out or, uh, just watching it on TV, being a fan. Did you watch last night's game and the two a hit? Yeah, man, I turned. I, I honestly turned it off after that hit. Uh, it's just it, it's 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 a strange deal him being out there one, but you know, I'm, I just feel for him for his safety, and um, you know it was a sad it was a sad deal, man. So you didn't watch any more of the game after that. That was it. No, yeah, I turned it off. Started watching Netflix. I mean, I had you know I, I I've been in his situation a, a number of times and and it's it's hard as a player to to watch that happen to you know your friend your teammate you know and, and anybody on you know in the games it's, it's it's hard to see somebody knocked out like that uh so you know I, I really I, I turned it off I didn't watch the rest of the game and you know just just tried to kind of get away from it a little bit man I feel obviously prayers up to him and his family that's a that's a tough deal What's it like when you're a teammate and something like that's going on in the field with one of your guys? It's tough, man. It's, you know, the game stops and you start to get, uh, you know, more on a personal level of whoever's down. And, 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 and you know, I've, I've been down like that, too. I've been knocked out a couple of times and it's like you don't like he's not going to remember much of it. But, you know, everybody on the field, everybody, you know, praying for him. And, and it's hard to come back from that mid game and, 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 and get you know, all turned up again. So, you know, I'm, I just feel for him and his family. It's scary. You have probably like spanned the, you know, beginning of your career where it was like, all right, concussions. And then it turned into 
a nonstop topic. And again, it wasn't like I was in the league, but it was me talking about it constantly. It felt like every time we were coming to work, it felt like, oh, hey, there's another concussion topic to where it felt like all of these things were put into place. So how different was any kind of protocol from the beginning of your career until just last year when you finished? Um, the protocols have changed quite a bit since I entered the league. Uh, they've kind of developed an independent neurologist on the sidelines. So it's kind of taken the uh, the decision out of the team doctor's hands to put a guy in, which is great for the league because, you know, if you know you, you got a great player go down with injury and he says he's good, he doesn't really know if he's good or not, uh, the team might put him back out there. Whereas now with the independent neurologist, they kind of, you know, they assess the situation on their own and then um, get him in, get him back in, uh, you know, based on a good baseline test he has to take after the concussion. And it's changed quite a bit. Uh, now he has to go through a series of independent neurologists, uh, you know, uh, anal an analyzation on, you know, throughout the week and pass all these certain tests and stuff. So it's, it's harder to get back in. I was actually shocked to see him playing last night. Um, you know, it was, you know, a scary hit he took last Sunday. And then to come back on a short week, uh, you know, usually when you get, you get rattled like he does and they see you wobbling, they'll pull you out and you're usually out for the next week regardless. On a short week, it was strange to see him come back. And then I know once you get one concussion, it's easier to get a second and third one. They come back a lot easier. Um, but honestly, like, I remember I have a I have all my helmets saved from uh, each year in a box, and I was just messing around with them the other day. And the helmets that they make now are so much better than they than they made like in 2012, 2013. I remember I put my 2013 helmet on the other day, and I was like, I would never if if I had the choice to play in this helmet or the ones they make now, I would never play in the older helmets because they're just trash compared to what they're making now. The new helmets they're making now are amazing like i haven't got a concussion in the past five years and i used to average one a year but just the the equipment is getting so much better that's why you know i'm 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 shocked to see guys even get knocked out like that he he took a hit with the ground and the ground is obviously very unforgiving whereas if you get hit head to head it's not as big of a deal anymore as it used to be but once you hit the ground like that that ground doesn't budge so it's especially on astroturf like it's it's a tough hit to come back from when we booked this i didn't want to make you know just so you know we're not doing 30 minutes on concussion so i'll i'll make sure we pivot it um to something that's going on okay so you're sitting at home you're watching on sundays uh, what do you see that surprises you? Is there? It doesn't even have to be team or player specific. Let's start with something a little bit more broad. Watching the game on television for the first time. Yeah. Wh what is that like? Like, are you learning things, or are you going, "Wow, nobody actually knows what they're talking about"? What's that experience like for you? Well, I I like to watch the games on mute, and I put music in the background because I I don't like like I just kind of like to analyze it myself and just kind of formulate my own opinions. Once guys get into their opinions and stuff like that, I try to think about who's talking and now it's like I'd rather just listen to music and kind of formulate my own opinions. So I've been doing that for the past 10 years and it's like it's a it's a much more relaxing state to watch the game in for me so so I can just be a fan. Um the one thing that I that I noticed in, in, in watching more games on TV, especially at the NFL level, is there's so much stoppage in the game. It's like, usually when I'm in the game, you know, I'm getting ready for the next drive. I'm thinking about what we're doing offensively and I'm busy on the sideline. And then watching it as a fan, it's like, 
they stop the game every every like you know three or four minutes and it's like tv timeout and then it's like all right you know now i'm looking for my next beer getting getting a wine or something (laughs) and then so that's different for me now but um you know it's 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 still an amazing amazing game i think there's a bunch of great teams obviously right now you know it's it's uh it's a unique league, man. That you never, you you truly never know who's gonna. I I never know who's gonna win any game. So, uh, was it was it weird for you going from New England to Miami? Like, did you show up when you leave New England? And every guy, you know, granted, I'm a little closer to it just because of being where I'm from. But it feels like every time a guy leaves New England, the next group is like, okay, what did they do up there? But in your case, like, I don't know. I, I think they were bringing you in, and there were already other people on board on top of everything else. I, I'm going back and looking at that first year just to make, all right, so Gase was the coach that year. So that was yep. before Flores got there. So what's that like when you go in division, you leave a place like New England? <laughs> a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, extra meetings with coaches. They're kind of picking my brain and like, what are they doing down there on Wednesday? And I'm like, what are they doing on a Thursday? And it's just like, all right, what did you, you know, they're trying to get, you know, Coach Belichick's mindset, you know, uh, Tom's mindset when we were, when we, I left to go to Miami cause Tom was still there and it's, you know, we had, they had, they had a lot of success up in new England. So everybody's trying to kind of pick my brain for the cliff notes and, uh, the temperature obviously was a little different. I, I remember going, you know, from the snow down to Miami, I thawed out and then we had a late game in, uh, Buffalo that next year. And just going from Miami back up to Buffalo, you realize how, how cold it is. And you don't, you know, I mean, you, you get used to it when you're up there, but when you're out and you thaw out in Miami, it's hard to get back up there and play in snow. That's the, that's the other thing that I was, that, that kind of took me by surprise. I'm, I'm new. You're at, you're asked about it all the time, but what do you see when you watch Brady now? I mean, he's still the same player to me. He's doing, you know, great passes. He knows where the ball's going to go usually before the play. So he, he's, you know, still head and shoulders above, above, you know, a lot of the good quarterbacks in the league. You know, he's top, top two, top three to me, like, you know, still playing at an extremely high level. You saw that scramble he had last week where it got called back, but he's still moving well. You know, he, he looks great. I mean, he's, he's still the same player to me. Help me understand then the difference between, and it's not like a, Hey, not everybody's Brady because I think we get that because of the resume. But something that you learn in working with your quarterbacks, where guys can be different about like whether it's the hand signals, whether it's hey, if you're in the slot, like he liked. It felt like New England for a really long time. There, liked although you kind of lined up all over the place. Now that I remember it, but it it just felt like there was a different approach that he would have where everybody was forced to get on the same page with him or you weren't going to get the ball anymore. So what is that like, like quarterback to quarterback, the styles and that relationship and building that kind of stuff that you've had in all your different spots? Yeah. So what I learned with Brady and in, in regards to other quarterbacks is just his ability to operate and communicate pre-snap. You know, I've, when I got, when I got to new England, you know, Tom, we'd go in motion and we try to, you know, get, analyze the defense and get an indication on what defense they're playing before the snap. And so we'll, we'll send a guy in motion or, you know, send them across the line and then back. So, you know, it'll, you know, we'll get a picture of their playing man or zone. And then if it's a zone, what, what zone they're going to play. So we'll, we'll go in motion. I remember the first time this happened, I'll, I'll go in motion in new England and, and I'll uh, go across the line. And, but by the time I get 
across the center. Brady's telling me what coverage it is already. So we already have a, a, a great understanding of, of what the defense is doing pre-snap. So it makes your job that much easier post-snap. And, and again, he really knows what throw, depending on the concept that we're running offensively, he knows where the ball's going before the snap. And, and it, that just makes it that much easier on the quarterback. You know, a lot of, a lot of young guys, I, I always say it takes two or three years to really understand how to operate pre-snap and then get into the play and then know where the ball's going. And then you kind of see young, young, young quarterbacks coming into the league and they just don't know how to operate like that. He's been doing it for so long that he can, he's, he's like a coach on the field, basically. I understand the, the concept of the option routes. But yeah. I'd heard with New England, it's always a little different in that it gets up to you to understand the coverage where exactly. in, instead of like, oh, I just have leverage, so I'm going to cut it inside or I'm going to cut it outside. Like you can be getting it wrong, even if you think you have leverage because you're making a coverage decision, right? So it's a little bit more complicated. It is. You have to, as a receiver in New England, in that offense, uh, when I when I came in, I had a great understanding of defenses. So... I knew I pretty much knew what what covers their you know in in teams disguise they you know Buffalo does a great job of uh you know disguising with their defense and same with Miami but if you have an understanding as a slot player of what coverage is going to be and understanding leverage and understand what the defense is trying to do uh you know the the certain nuances of each defense and each player in, in the defensive scheme if you can understand that as an offensive player then I mean you you can you can pick apart the defense and, and and that's something that I really learned in preparation there, um, and it propelled my career probably three or four extra years and just understanding, you know how to what they're going to try to take away and then use that manipulate the coverage against them and then and then get open that way. So, okay, so I'm let's say hypothetical. I'm a Raiders fan watching my team watching Josh McDaniels. I'm going. When do we get to do that stuff after an 0 three start? Like what? What do yeah. you think? I mean, it's very simple to say, hey, they don't have Brady and they don't have the same stuff. But like, what is it about Josh as a coordinator versus the head coach here where, you know, look, it's very early, but off the Denver yeah. stuff, too. Yeah. You hear things. Um, I don't know. Like, wh what do you think the frustrating part there is for that? I think it comes down to each, each individual player and then um, in time, really, in experience. I think, you know, they're going to they're they're my dark horse. I'm I was, you know, I'm I'm rooting for the Raiders, man. I, I know they got a great squad. They got great receivers and players. I haven't been able to watch too many of their games yet. Um, but everybody knows how their season has started. And, you know, I, I think they just I think they just got to get out and get more experience. They'll start winning games here in a bit. They're gonna be a good team at the end, I think. Um, but it just comes down to experience, you know, getting on the same page with everybody um, and, and learning how learn how to operate. So, you know, I know they got great players and, and, and I love Renfro and what he does in the slot. Obviously Devonte does a, a lot of great things. Their tight end is awesome. And they just got to get on the same page. They're, they're working and, and, and it's a long season. So we'll see how it turns out. When people look at Renfro, <laughs> I'm sure there's high school kids everywhere being like, well, I could do, what is it that he does that every other undersized white slot guy can't do? Like, because it's really easy for people to get in the visual part of it and be like, oh, that guy's never going to be an NFL player. And he's really good. Right. No, he's sneaky fast. He's, he has a great, he's, he's, he has great feet. He has a good stride. Like he can, he can get around the edge on guys. He's crafty. He's smart. Uh, he catches the ball well. He's tough. And, um, you know, I love his game. 
I love the routes that they put in for him to kind of not only not only uh, you know get open on in, on the first or second read, but they'll put in they'll put in plays where he he has you know almost like a triple move. He'll run that out and up, back in, and then back up, which turns in term turns him into like the number three in the progression. But they offer him a great route tree, and 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 even though he's not the first read. Like he's, they, they, they allow him to get open late, which is, which is really good as a slot player. Cause you can kind of take your time, let the defense, um, kind of settle and, and, and get into their coverage. And then he'll make a late move, like a, uh, a late move, like anticipated late move. And then he, and then he's wide open, which, you know, you need time to do that. You know, it's not quick game, you know, it's not three step drop, let it roll. Whereas, you know, it's, it's three step a hitch, let Renfro move late and then, and then hit them, which I, I really like to see. It just takes time and, you know, time within the play and, 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 and protection up front. So we know Devontae's there, leaves Green Bay. Um, we know the Rogers story for whatever version of it, you know, not happy. And then, you know, you see that first week and you go, uh-oh. Oh, and yeah. then since then. Yeah. Like Lazard looks like he's a real guy, and I, you know, not that I was dismissive before, but there are moments now, and his size, and on top of that, the way the guy can block and everything, it just feels like whatever was missing that first week, like Rogers figures out a way, and I think Lazard may be the next Packer guy that we weren't we weren't paying enough attention to. No, I love Lazard. I remember we played him. I was in Detroit. We played him on. It was a Thursday night game in Lazard. It was kind of when somebody had gone down. I think on their in their receiving core. I don't know if Devonte played or something. And Lazard showed up off practice squad. Caught a go ball for a touchdown. Fade for a touchdown. I was like, this guy's a player. He plays big, kind of like Mike Evans a little bit, where he plays big. He's strong. He has you know a great catch radius, and you know ultimately he's a dog man. And I love that. Yeah, that feels like um it feels like it's one where i go I, like the week one minnesota loss I'm like all right now i guess i'm not factoring in any of that stuff and rogers i've i've heard too like rogers talks more shit than any other guy on the field is that true i've had a i've had unique experience with uh aaron I, I'll, I'll get to a quick story but i've always ever seen him at the derby so we we, we always have like a great time together and uh Whenever I remember one time um, we're playing the Packers, I was in uh, I was in Detroit, and they picked the ball off. I was on offense. They picked the ball off on defense, but I had to go make the tackle on the Packers sideline. And then you know Aaron was already in between the hashes, ready to go on offense. By the time I crossed over the hash mark to go run over to my other sideline, I was like tired as hell trying to make, trying to tackle and and he he has a big grin on his face and they're kicking our ass at this point so i was i was running across the field and and aaron goes uh just smiling he's like hey man uh are you gonna go to the derby this year <laughs> and and i uh i was laughing i'm like i'm you know i have snot bubbles coming i'm tired i like can barely breathe i'm trying to make a tackle as an offensive guy which i suck at tackling and and he's cheesing he's talking shit he's like are you gonna go to the derby i'm like i don't know i don't know you know after the game but we'll see but yeah he he's crafty he's crafty with his with his trash talk which i like this is the part where it's like oh i'm not trying to get danny into trouble here uh how well you played with brace i i already know the answer here uh 
and Brady's got the better resume. But is there an argument to be made that Rodgers is the more talented quarterback? I think just with his, you know, his his ability to throw the ball is incredible. Arm angles, you know, again, he's on the same level as Tom in in terms of operation of the offense. And you know, if if you got guys that are consistently snapping the ball at three two seconds on the on the play clock, then he's he's really analyzing the defensive and and really kind of doing his best to use all his knowledge to to get the ball in the right place, given that play. And, you know, you see Peyton doing it back in the day. Brett Favre did it back in the day. You know, Tom does it. And, and if you can give your offense the, you know, the most allotted time in the play clock, then, then you're going to give your, your offense the best um, position to, to be successful. That's something that Aaron does. I mean, his ability to throw the ball, I mean, you see Stafford, you see Brady, you see Aaron, you know, there's a couple other guys, obviously Mahomes, and and and, and really there's there's probably five, six of them. Herbert, guys that can just really throw the ball, and, and, and obviously Aaron and Tom will say it. You know, in meetings and stuff, we'll be watching Aaron, and he's just so pure with it. It's it's. I mean, he, he's a natural thrower, which you know, it, it's it's hard to it's it's hard to find guys like that. Yeah, the arm angle stuff is. You know, again, the resumes aren't close, but some of the arm angle stuff that, you know, I'm just kind of looking at when I'm watching college guys, which, you know, you're not going to see it a ton. Um, I think it's kind of the the craze now of after the Mahomes thing, the baseball part of it where you're yeah. like, hey, can you have the worst foundation? Can your body be a mess? And can you still get the ball out 50 yards? And yeah. like some of the stuff that we're seeing now. Uh, it's 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 absurd. So I, I, it feels like that's what everybody kind of wants. When Rogers, in a weird way, is just always he's always had it. Uh, yeah. And anyway, okay. When you were in St. Louis, and you've got somebody where you're coming back every year, and you mentioned you you say, hey, I think it takes like two or three years. Unfortunately for Bradford, we know the injury history. You know, yeah. poor guy. Um. I think a lot of us agree that he was super talented. It just it just wasn't happening. He couldn't stay. How hard is that as as the teammate? Where you know everybody's starting to talk. You're, you're this top pick, and it's not really working out. You're wondering if you're going to get replaced because we go through these waves every single season with the next group of four or five guys. We're like, hey, this might be his last year as a starter. How tough is that for a team when you're not winning and it feels like this top pick just isn't isn't the answer for him. It was really more injuries, but that's going to be just brutal, exhausting mentally for a team. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, you know, Bradford was the guy who came in and offensive rookie of the year, you know, amazing arm talent, you know, smart kid, tall kid, you know, can read defenses and throw a great ball. You know, unfortunately with the game we play, it's, it's, you know, it's tough to stay healthy. The injury rate is a hundred percent pretty much. And, you know, he, he had, I think he had two or three ACLs where it's like, you know, you take, you know, three years in a row, you're rehabbing for nine months a year and it's, it, it's hard to stay healthy. Um, but as a player, you know, when you don't know who your guys are going to be, it's, it's, it's tough. However, I think, you know, with competition with, you know, if there's a quarterback competition, usually, you know, the, the best guy rises up and the talents there just out of pure competition and you end up playing pretty good where, you know, you you got guys that are maybe established and they might fall off at the end or, you know, but I don't know. It's, it's always tough to go into a season and you don't know who your, your quarterback's going to be or, 
or who's going to be calling plays, who's going to operate. Cause you, you, you really need to have a good understanding as a receiver at running back tight end, how the, how the, the play calling is going to be and, and how he's going to operate pre-snap. And if you don't have that, you don't have that, those reps, then it's always harder to get into the playoffs and play good late. So who's your favorite of the young QBs now then? Oh, I like Herbert, man. He's, he's got a great talent. He's, you know, he's tough. You know, he, 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 he played through that rib injury last week, which I, we always really surprised, you know, ribs are hard as, especially as a, as a quarterback, but he's got great talent, man. I like him. Yeah, we were really surprised when he was in there when it was 38 to 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, but he's a tough kid, man. You know, he's, I think he, uh, you know, he handles himself well. He's, you know, he's a pro. You know, he answers the questions right. You know, I, I like his talent and, and he's got, a, he needs Keenan Allen back, but I think he's coming back off a of hammy. So he'll be back soon. Yeah, but see, this brings it full circle, you know, a couple more minutes, but, you know, Herbert goes back into that Kansas City game because he's the quarterback. And yeah. if he doesn't, then dudes look at him differently. Yeah. Know? And they yeah. still almost won that game. And yeah. then here he is playing a week later because he's the quarterback and he's staying yeah. out there. So you're doing what I would do too, giving him credit. Like one of the first adjectives you used was tough. And so you're seeking, yeah. you want to prove to your teammates when you play that position that you're tough all the time. Yeah. When almost all of us know, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe give it a week or Christ, it, you know, it's up to Staley to take him out of the fucking game. Yeah, uh, in that situation, when you're down that many touchdowns, how hard is that knowing? Because like I said in the open with the concussion part of this, like everybody's freaked out. You turned off the game. But if it were you, you'd be trying to find a way to get back in there. I don't know that that's ever going to be solved because that's the culture of your job. No question. I mean, you know, as a competitor, as a pure competitor, you know, you want to be in there regardless of, you know, if you can walk usually or if you can usually if you finish a game like he did. You know, usually you're going to be in the in the game the next week, um, but you know I, I've seen it a couple. I've seen it a few times where guys you know get in, get back in too early, and end up hurting their season. You know, they, they never really get back to a hundred ninety percent. They they you know they're operating at sixty percent as a, at a quarterback or at any position really. But you know that competitive nature wants. You know, you want to play and you want to get out there and and show your teammates you can p- play through being injured. But you know, at the end of the day, sometimes you just really got to cost analyze and 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 understand. You know, maybe this week isn't for me. And and it's you know, I've been in that position a lot, and and it's a tough pill to swallow as a competitor. It sucks being on the sideline when you're like almost ready to play, and, and you you really think you could get out there, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a business, man. And you gotta, you gotta operate for whatever's best for the team. And, and, and if it's you on the sideline that week, if it gives you a better chance to win a game the next week, if you have that, uh, then, then that sometimes is the right way to go. I always kind of think about that Edelman hit against Seattle and then Bro, coming back. Dude, I, uh, I picked him up off the ground when he, when he went down and Kid had snot bubbles all over his face. He was sweaty. His face was so red. Like he was like legitimately in the zone. And I was like, dude. And I, we all, me and Jules always have this thing. Whereas if he gets, he gets hit really hard, or if I get hit really hard and we start stumbling or something, I'll go grab him and, and, and just hold him up. And maybe it looks like we're celebrating or like, you know, but I'll just grab him and just let him give him like, 
give them like 10, 15 seconds of just chilling and, and not, and like, I'll just tell them, don't move, just, just stand right here. And so he can, uh, kind of regroup kind of like a boxer, a fighter, you know, the ref goes and, and grabs him and holds him for a second and, and just make sure he gets his, his wits around him. That play was one of the hardest cam chancellor hit him across the middle. It was one of the hardest hits I've ever seen in my life. And, and he gets up, he's still moving. He's trying to fight for extra yards and, and um, it's just a, it's a testament to what kind of player he is, what kind of warrior he is. And, and you know, he ended up finishing – he felt great, ended up fish, finishing the game, and, and we got the dub. Obviously, he scored on that drive, I think. So, Well, that's the was, point is he scored on that, like, that pivot route there, which is brutal if you have – you know, like I don't know what you do with that if you have the right coverage on it. But it's kind of like that hit was so brutal. It's Cam Chancellor, who's a defensive end playing safety. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. And that route particularly, we we loved that route that he scored on. We ran a lot of them because they lost Lane in that early in that game, uh, their DB Lane, and then all their other corners were they had they were like six two, so they had really long legs, and their change of direction wasn't as quick as you know our shorter receivers. So we loved the change the quick change of direction routes. The, he ran a slant and a back out, and once they're once you have a longer cornerback, their legs turn over so much, and it's harder for them to get out of breaks as quickly as a shorter player. So that's why we came back to that. Yeah. No, man, it was it was like he's back in the game. <laughs> but it's one of those moments where you're like, yeah, yeah, it worked out. Yeah, man, he's he's a he's a great player, man. It was awesome to uh to line up with him uh for five years. So well, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Enjoy Austin and enjoy the couch on Sundays. All right, Danny. Hey Ryan, good to see you, man. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This week, Aaron Judge hit number 61 in Toronto, and everybody's like, what are you going to do with the ball? Well, when your best friend catches it, you get to ask him. Matt Bushman of the Toronto Blue Jays, retired professional baseball player, uh, now with the coaching staff. You were in the bullpen. Um, What's up, man? What's up? How's it going? Good. As a celebrity, uh, I know you're finishing up golf. Paparazzi up there in Toronto following you around. What's it been like? No, just Frankie Lasagna following around, just, you know, wanting to ask me why I didn't throw him the ball. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's let's back up to the start of the day. You've got the Yank. You guys are in second place. Like, you know, you you're fighting. Um, you know, you're out of the division, but whatever. That's that's not a critique here. Uh the point is, is I have two observations about baseball players. I'll get to the second one a little bit later. The first one is that the bullpen, people do not understand how bored you are collectively despite how locked in you you have to be later on. But the boredom of being around a baseball team every day like I was in the minors and going, okay, the bullpen just talks about the most nonsensical shit all day long. What were the conversations like leading up to the what-if scenarios if Judge hit 61 to the bullpen like he did? Yeah, we. I mean, there was conversations on like, all right, if we catch it, are we splitting it evenly amongst the bullpen? Do we have like a runner? That's like in the underneath hallway that you get it, you throw it right to him. He sprints out, 
you know, like, and you're just doing a bait and switch and, you know, everyone's running around looking for the ball and then we got, um, but I, I think it was just like, cause you talk about it and I guess 62 was the one that was going for like a couple million. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, that's a good, that's a good chunk of money. Is it worth the, just the horrific headlines, um, holding the ball hostage maybe, uh, you know, or, but then it just looks like, you know, basically it comes down to there's millionaires in a bullpen holding a ball hostage from another millionaire to get more millions, you know? So it was trying to, it was at the point where it was like, probably not going to go that route. Yeah, I can't imagine, especially for somebody like you who is not uh, maybe at the salary status of of the players out in the bullpen. Um, it probably would ruin your career if you decided, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm Matt Bushman, and I'm the bullpen coach, and I kept I kept the baseball. Like, what's up? I think the commissioner would probably get involved at some point. I don't know that that would be the best career move for somebody like you who's going to be, you know, a GM one day. Yeah, no, not not the smartest or best, um, but. Uh... You know, it's cool, but I think it's a little bit of a, the baseball fraternity too. You know, I, I, I said it was like the, once it was in my hands, I wasn't, I surely wasn't going to throw it up in the stands because I didn't want to be part of that equation. You know, it's like the trolley experiment. You don't want to be the one that pulls the lever and throws uh-huh. it up and gives it to the, the person. So, um, but yeah, no, it, for sure. Once we had it, it was like, I wanted to get it back to him and the, okay. All right. So let's let it got it. Let's stay on that timeline then. He's up to bat and it's it's right at you guys. But it looks like a fan maybe has a chance to make a play. So take us through, you know, the pitch, the contact, and you're sitting there. Or it looks like you guys were standing. I, I don't know. So take us through it. Yeah, well, we had someone warming up and I was uh, standing behind him, Jimmy Garcia. And um, Tim Mays was on the mound. And, you know, we talked about how I was going to face him. And I think he was just going to keep throwing sinkers to him and, I, you know, we're trying to guess what pitch he's going to throw, uh, the next pitch. And then as soon as he hit it, I knew it was gone. Um, and I was like, oh, this is upset for Tim. Uh, we're in the game. We're trying to win the game. But then I look up and it kind of hit me once, once it like bounced to me. And I, and for that moment, I just looked around and go, oh, there's a lot more cops around here. There's a lot more everyone around here and everyone's looking at me. And so my immediate thought was, well, this is probably going to be broken down on John boys, so don't do anything stupid. And then um, I just took it and walked back because I, I knew every all these fans were there. And, you know, like at some level, at the money we're talking about for the ball, I'm like, is anybody going to jump down? You know, some guy, guy going for like two broken ankles, jumping down in our bullpen. Um, and so I just flipped it to another coach that's in our bullpen, David Howell, partly to just see him freak out that he's holding the ball. And he just, he just gripped it tight and just hit, hit it, you know, like he's holding it. And I said, we'll figure it out after, you know, because there's a pitcher for ours swarming up. So I wanted to make sure he got in the game. And then it was like, what do we do with it? <laughs> Everyone's looking at us. What did you think about the fan in the attempt? The attempt, well, I was like, man, I, I thought he had a chance at it. And then, you know, I, it wasn't until after the game, you, you start seeing all the reaction shots and you just feel horrible. And then his name is just perfect. And it's just all the different things. Um, but, you know, in my mind, it's like, there was a chance, man. You brought your glove. You were ready for it. And it didn't go down. And so I think at that point, just uh, I think we just wanted to get it back to judge. Okay. So you hand it to one of the other coaches. And, you know, it's really easy to forget for everybody caught up in it that 
you are in fact still trying to win a baseball game and you have to monitor how your your bullpen looks how the next guy going in you know like all right what do we think let's look at their like you're still going through all these mechanics of figuring out how to play out a game that you're in, you know in then then what happens like the other dynamic of well the people coming for the baseball don't care about any of that stuff and certainly you do so what happened well so then all of a sudden there's like a like just a a large contingent of people behind the bullpen and, and the way Toronto works is our bullpen is kind of underneath and so behind it it's not like a regular bullpen it's like the corridor the walkway and so all of a sudden there's just a bunch of people back there and our our security guard comes up and goes hey what do you want me to do with these people and I'm like, I don't want to think about that right now. We're holding the ball. I get it. But I don't know who they are. I, I Maybe they're Major League Baseball authenticators. I'm pretty sure a bunch of Yankees, like security and, and people, they really want the ball. And and I was a little bit not happy that he hit it. I was mad for Tim. And I just said, hey, just tell him we'll, we'll let him know after the game. I said, you know, like sweat a little bit. I said, tell him we'll, we'll get to him after the game going on. And so they're kind of standing there. And our security guys did a great job. And they said, hey, not right now. Um, and so I'm sitting there just, you know, like, I mean, trying to just calm everything down. We're still trying to win the game. And then I see uh, Zach Britton walk over because you can kind of walk around this corridor from their bullpen. And I said, as soon as I saw him, I said, give it to, give it to Zach because I, I know him. I know the ball will get to where it needs to get to. And, it, you know, I felt better giving it to him. And then we didn't have to worry about it anymore. But it was just, you know, after the fact, you're just like, that was nuts. You know, because I, I really hadn't thought too much about it until all of a sudden it's like everyone's locked in on this ball. Right. Because the second observation that I would make about baseball players is that you get irrationally pissed off at other people quicker than any group of human beings walking the planet. And I can only imagine like there are Yankees officials going, all right, we want the ball and you're in an inning. And then I would go, oh, cool. Baseball players have an excuse to get pissed off about something. There had to have been a little tension there. Uh, from from whether it were you or other people in the bullpen being like, can we get through the fucking inning? Well, I, that's one. If, if you're ever around a bullpen in September of a major league season, it's already a little hot. Like it's the end of the season. Everyone's a little bit over it. And, you know, everyone's kind of running a little spicy. You know, guys throw out takes and everyone's just coming back hot, you know, to whatever they're saying. So it was kind of funny. But yeah, like it was just like, you know, I think our bullpen catchers like, hey, we got a game going on. Get out of here. You know, he's yelling. And, and so it just was, you could tell it was just like all of it. And, you know, obviously we're trying not to give up the home run. We don't want to be the ones that give up 61. And um, so all that's kind of just broiling. It's like, Ooh, this could get, this could get weird here in a second. But um, once that came over, I think it calmed everything down. So your wife, also one of my close friends, mm-hmm. Sarah Walsh, uh, she started tweeting away immediately that, you guys are going to have to have a discussion uh, based on how quickly you gave up the baseball and the value of that. Uh, how's that going? Uh, we're still in negotiations to to get back in the good graces with her. Um, but uh, no, it was funny because the, the, it wasn't the when I walked in the locker room, you know, staff and, and some front office people were there. The first comment wasn't, so you caught the ball. It was, did you see your wife's tweet? And I said, oh boy, like this is going to be great. And so it's just funny how that's taken off. And uh, so it's just, it, it's interesting. She's talking about it on, on some other shows. So 
Um, I think it was funny that it was the bigger thing was not that I caught the ball, but that my wife tweeted that she's going to divorce me. So we're still working through it. I got to play golf today too. That didn't help. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I know. And she's only dealing with a hurricane. So uh, there's a lot yeah. of things stacked against you right now. We yeah. were joking about it last night because, you know, I called you after and we we're just BSing about a bunch of stuff. But do you think anyone in Major League Baseball would argue to keep it? Like, I just, I think there was probably people that talk it, but there is like, at some point it's like, just think of the headline, you know, like, I, you know, and I, and I, they've already said like, let us know if we can do anything. I'm sure there'll be something we, we figure out. Um, you know, I think the Yankees will, and, and Aaron will do everything they need to do, but yeah, I, I don't, you know. I yeah. But like for imagine. you, like. What are you going to do? Get a jersey? Like that doesn't, that does nothing to you. You're going to get tickets? Like you work every, you know, hey, in my spare time, I'm going to go catch a Yankees game. So uh, yeah. I don't expect that you would ask for anything. I wouldn't imagine anyone that puts on a uniform and like, not to sound cheesy, but, you know, walks in between the lines would go, no. I mean, granted, if we wanted to really brainstorm, or like who would be the one guy in Major League Baseball that would keep it or argue to keep it? Maybe we can come up with a list of like two or three names. But uh, yeah. I've just seen all the tweets being like, oh, like congratulating you or whatever. Yeah, it's like, like, like yeah, it yeah, really. Like, it's not a lottery ticket. I, did, I didn't win the scratchers, you know. Um, so it, it was it was funny. And it's just that the, all the takes on Twitter are really funny. And so at the end of the day, it's just, yeah, like, I, I don't know, maybe I try to get something for the guys in the pen. Um, I said the other the other thought was I should have just just as in they do as they do in New York. I should just thrown it back. Imagine I just throw it back. I just threw it back on the field, like the fans do. That and then it's like all timer because then it still gets to them. Yeah, it still gets to them. I just throw it back. I don't want it. (laughs) I think you screwed up. That would have set a real tone Mm. if you guys face each other in the playoffs. I know. I know. That's the one regret I have. Okay. Um, Well, thanks, man. It's as everybody knows, this is the number one Blue Jays podcast in North America. So we were able to get you on. Obviously. Yeah. No, I appreciate being on. All right. It's next been time too long. We'll, we'll break we'll break down uh baseball next time. Thanks, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cashback on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, subject to credit approval, savings available to Apple Card owners, subject to eligibility, savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off. I love every tip-off. I love every one of them. And people ask me, hey, are you tipping off tonight? Because they know that's code for, are the games on? And I'll say, yeah, come on over. Bring your kids. I don't care about the audio feed. You can walk in front of the television. Because this time of year, the second half of the NBA, it's about family. And that's one of my favorite things about my life. Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. Before we get to life advice, we'll throw out our picks for this week, thanks to FanDuel. And apparently, people did not solve gambling. (laughs) Well, could I just say, I I think my pick last week, I had the alt-bills line and the uh, alt-under. And 
okay, I think at the end I said, how could this possibly lose? It did lose. But yep. in my defense, the Bills should have won that game. It's bullshit. So we're, get, we're, we're not getting scared. We're trusting the process. The, the method still works. The individual, I'm not saying I'm going to go like 100% the whole season, but I'm going to, we're, we're good. I found a sweet spot here. You're not so, going to go 100%. No, no. And I've okay. already, we've confirmed that I lost last week. So it's not All about right. going 100%, but you got to trust the process. And I'm going to go back to the well again here. Uh, again, another alt line, alt spread. Give me the Cleveland Browns. They're actually favored on the road in Atlanta. I'm going to I'm gonna tease that down. I'm going to say that's I'm going to take the Browns plus three and a half. So even if they lose by a field goal, you still win this. And I'm going to take over 40 and a half points in that game because I think both teams score. I, I actually kind of like Atlanta. Like Marcus Mariota is kind of fun to watch, even though that team's not that good. I think there'll be points in that game. So Browns minus three or Brown, Browns plus three and a half over 40 and a half. That's about even odds. Um, again, I'll say it. How could that possibly be? <laughs> Very nice. All right. Um, I lost. Kyle, did you did you lose? I we lost. all lost, right? Yeah, I lost. Yeah. Uh, so I, I erased uh, it off the board. I couldn't even tell you what it was. Twenty two and seven. Twenty two and seven. We're actually five and four. <laughs> Here we go. You're not counting mine from the other picks, but that's fine. Oh wait, you know what? You're right. It doesn't matter. It Clean doesn't. Does not matter. That's not the bet. My apologies. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. Okay. Um. I also do it an underdog. I like the Jaguars plus six and a half. Uh, at the Eagles, and then I'm gonna go. The, I'm gonna go the under just so we can get this into plus plus territory, and that's gonna be plus two thirty. Under is forty five and a half, which uh, that seems a little low for an under. But Kyle takes risky bets. Like he's he's you've been like in the plus two hundred three hundred range. Well, what's um, the point? For best bets. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, go big or go. A uh, million dollars, by the way. I'm putting a million dollars on it. What? Hope that works out. Putting a million you. fake dollars on it. Oh, yeah, we're not doing the fake money thing. Ever since Canell ruined it. Canel ruined so many of our games. <laughs> he did, yeah, he did. Canel is a little bit pedantic. He's a, he's kind of a correct correction guy. Is he? Yeah, a little bit. Just to AP voters or people in general? <laughs> Just the SEC people. Yeah, okay. Just people in the South. I guess that wasn't the first descriptor I would have for for Canel. No, I didn't. Say, I said a little bit. It's not like his main yeah. personality. No, right? but he could be a little bit correcting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that was a core. Tenant of him. All right, I'm gonna go. Uh, let's see. Uh, the most public betting again. Number of bets, not money. Um, more bets placed on Arizona minus, or actually now they're plus one and a half. God, the odds for this are. Let me double check here on another site. Right now, we're staying with the public play and betting against them. And last week, I really hated it and finally lost. But I didn't like it the week before either against Dallas in the backup. But 83% of the bets are on Arizona. So real quickly, we'll double check because the line seems to be in some dispute based on the I got the open. Panthers minus one and a half. Yeah. So give me the Panthers favored at home against Arizona um, because everybody's been in Arizona in this game. So give me the – I'm laying one and a half for a favor yeah. here. Okay. You, you right. have like the weekly I hate myself bet. It's just like, it might be a good bet, but it just. It's oh, well, that's the way suck. it works. That's yeah. the whole process. You're going to be giving out ones you're like, that makes no sense. But you know what also doesn't work? Hey, this team's good. Yeah. That team Take stinks. The favorite every week. Yeah. yeah I'm just going to do that. They'll win oh by my a gosh. touchdown. They'll <laughs> definitely win by seven. So, all right. There you go. Uh, those are our picks. Check out FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. 
So now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice, life advice, rr at gmail.com. Okay, we have a bunch of stuff, just a community of topics here that people want follow up on. I think we start with the frolic room scammer here. Uh, it's now an LA Times article. Uh, did, were, did they reach out to you? Because the author of from the LA Times actually was like for fans of the Ryan Rosillo podcast, you may remember. So were you... Were you cited in the piece, Kyle? I was not cited in the piece. And also, uh, the guy, he'd spent a couple, like, I think, full days in Frolic Room. Uh, I don't want to speak for the guy, but that's kind of what I heard. <laughs> and every time, I was always just like, my, my guys were like, fuck, you missed the guy, dude. He was here for like four hours. He was funny, actually. He was pretty cool. And I was like, God, I missed the guy. So I missed him on two separate occasions. And uh, yeah, you know, the podcast wasn't mentioned in the article at all. And I thought Frolic deserved a little bit more... Um, space but you know maybe there's some follow-ups from that guy that'll come so who knows how did, yeah, how did he get tipped off to it did he because I, I listen i'm gonna, I'm not gonna pretend i didn't read the article this is like me in high school with reading assignments i didn't do it so i'll just assume to, to not know but i i figured that i figured the podcast would have tipped that off be like hey this this sketchy guy is going to the frolic room i gotta do some more investigation so i don't know i think i think the guy had a lot of like I think this guy's maybe a crime reporter or maybe somebody who is a crime yeah. reporter turned him onto it. So I think that there was a lot of cases piling up against this guy. And, you know, what I had heard from just through the grapevine for people actually tied up in cases with him that, you know, the police were like, you know, we kind of need a little bit more to go after him. Like we can't, like, I know he took you like $3,000 from you, but we really can't like do anything. So I think they, um, there was a, a one guy that, that I knew that a couple of my friends knew that was like, lost a lot more than that and he was like paying attention to it so he was like he was saying finally the detective once i think it was i don't know a couple months ago was saying that yeah there's about 12 cases now on this guy so you know we're we're gearing up to do something about it so i mean maybe that's how the the reporter found out if he's a crime guy but yeah i'd love to hear more and uh he says that in his tweets he says that maybe there's more to come so i'd read it i think uh, i think we could have done a little more frolic because the thing that i didn't understand is what we know as podcast family and everyone that listens know how weird the super bowl thing was and that the super bowl thing kind of just got glossed over the only reason it was so weird was because he didn't actually gain anything from it the, a lot of that thing was about who he's taking money from and it's like yeah classic grifter stuff this is like insane psychopath thing where with what happened with the Super Bowl. So I just wish that got a little bit more shine about how, for how absurd it was. Yeah, that's a nice little addition to it. Now, in fairness to the article and the writer, like, you're right, Kyle. This guy has cases all over the place, and he's got this incredible background. I mean, hell, we even had, what, a guy emailing in from New York saying this is the same guy? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, think about the trail that this dude has left behind. And so uh, I didn't expect, you know, and think the podcast was going to be mentioned, but the frolic room part of it. But I think you're also right. Like that would give the reader a different perspective is that in this case, he wasn't even getting anything from it. He just bummed out a ton of regulars at the frolic room who were like making plans. Those yeah. guys are taking pictures of him still. He's like, oh, so I blew him on the bus today. They're posting stuff on Instagram. This one guy, uh, one of the, the old vet I was telling you about and on the, um, in the frolic room, I'm following him on Instagram now. And he's like, criminal on the run <laughs> he's got a picture so of him he, running across the crosswalk he's like 12 30 p.m today so uh, so he's still in the mix he's still out and about yeah he's bailed out but i think he missed his court date so i think he's actually technically a fugitive right now or, or at least there's a like a bench warrant for him or something that doesn't yeah that does, doesn't yeah, sound like a guy shows up to his court date uh where can we follow you on instagram so people can get just the 
I want to I want to blow up your 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 social media this this week. Oh well, I'm I'm not, I'm probably not going to be doing anything extra frolicky uh, when it comes to our guy uh, David Bloom. We could say his name now because he's in the paper, David Bloom. Um, that's Tom Shady three hundred, like everything else. That's my uh, that's my Venmo too. <laughs> <laughs> so we pivoted right from the con yes. artist story into. Yeah. Hey, just a heads up. The uh, one last thing on that memo. story that I thought was really illuminating for me was that did you did you read it, Ryan? No, I oh. just like Saruti. Right? <laughs> oh, God damn it! All right, well, there's this thing about his wife, and I'll just I'll leave it in there. I mean, it's a it's a L.A. Times thing. You guys could could all find it. It's uh, I will read it today. I promise right. you that. And then what this text. guy did to oh. his ex-wife was just horrendous. So um, you should, well, you should check cool. it out. Yeah. yeah, in a financial not way, sure. not in like a questionable way. I guess we'll just transition. We're getting a lot of emails and people still think that we're we're dealing with a lot of friction. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing those. I don't, I certainly don't feel it. Yeah, um, me neither. But yeah, I think people are over us. Yeah, I, I, let me just take you through my last few Fridays, right? So I get back, I was in Europe, obviously, for a long time. Obviously. I get back and the football thing, as much as I love football, as soon as it's about to happen, I'm like, all right. And then the basketball part over the top when I start to realize like, all right, this is, this is going to be the same, same run of, of TV watching. So then I'll, I'll get like really motivated. I'll have like a nice day at the gym on a Friday. But the thing is, I don't really want to go out on a Friday because I have all the college football on Saturday. And so I'll have these little moments and older guys will relate to this where I'm like, I'm feeling it today. You know, I'm feeling it today. I'm like, maybe I'll do something a little adventurous. Maybe I'll go up to check out a little comedy on sunset. Maybe I'll see if Kyle is around. Right. So this has happened so many times. And then, you know, I do my, I get in the water, you know, and then I, I come back to the house. I, I grab food. I sit in the couch and then it's not like there's some NBA game. that's always sucking me in. Like will happen once October comes, comes calling. I'm like, I don't know what happens after that window closes like eight, nine o'clock. I go, I'm not doing anything. And it has happened probably the last six times I've even thought about doing anything where I've gone, okay, you know what? Let's get out there a little bit. And then I've had this weird thing where like after the Sunday game, I'm like, just get out of the house, like go, go to a restaurant bar. And I'm like, you're, you're doing the West Hartford thing all over again. So it's not about you. It's about me. It's on me that I haven't gone up there for it. But I think people are completely overstating the friction between us unless I'm not reading it correctly. No, I think you're right. I feel like, you know, sometimes we're humming. We're going like 60 miles an hour. And then like, there'll be a little joke. And then people are like, whoa, did you see that joke? And it's like, yeah, we all got the joke. You guys like, I don't hate Ryan. Ryan doesn't hate me. I will say your explanation here is a little bit like, you know, asking a girl out in high school. And she's like, I got to wash my hair. I will say that your explanation is a little bit like, "Ah, I got to do a thing that's going to take the whole time. So, um, but I, I understand what you're saying. It's your life, man. It's not mine. And I can't, I can't do anything about what you do and how far away you live and you can't do anything about what I do and how far away I live. So I think, I think we'll get there, but yeah, I'm not rushing you. I'm glad, I'm glad my feelings were um, thrown out there by big cat on private messages. I mean, however long ago that was. And, and there was really nothing any of us could do to stop it. So I think, yeah, that's really on him. Yeah. That tension is about him. Do you want to make fun of me more on the podcast? I don't know. I, yeah, sure. But I'll do it on my own time. You know, I'll, I'll do it at my own. Like I don't need a quota. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I feel like Kyle dropping a line here or there isn't because he's pissed at Rosillo. It's because that's what Kyle does sometimes. Like he's a funny guy. He's good. He's good. On funny how? Advice. Funny how? Mean, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, I've also seen a couple things specifically about whether or not Big Cat did this intentionally to sabotage the pod. 
has to be asked. You know, did he just come in, drop a bomb and say, hey, you know, creep it up the rankings, just had to stave it off. Yeah. You know, maybe throw, throw, throw the chemistry off a little bit. You know, it's a good segment. I just has to be thrown out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, I would say this. He will fuck with literally everybody <laughs> all the time. Like, it's kind of what he does. So. And he did it to us. Thanks for rolling through, big guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love having you on. Anything's content. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, let's get to some email. I don't know what to do about any of the page recap stuff. Uh, I think overall it went well. Yes, there were going to be some people that just weren't going to like it. Uh, I think she caught so much shit from people that I thought were being completely unfair to her. Uh, and you can, you know make fun of me for thinking that or whatever but uh we wanted to do something a little different on life advice and we will continue to do those things uh that are a little bit different one guy did chime in saying she was a bit arrogant says i work in the golf industry and had to take slight issue uh with some of your recent guests arrogance didn't even mention her name uh anyone who's a seven handicap has considerable skill and would be more than capable of steering along a beginner now now um she came off as yeah, she came off as very dismissive. We had the benefit of of seeing her. I think she was doing that as like a shit talking, like, oh, a seven, whatever. Like, I don't think she was acting like anyone with a seven or lower actually sucks at golf or whatever. I, that was kind of my read on it. But you know what? Um, we're good. I don't think we no, need to No, but if that. I've learned anything over the years, it's that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're a good teacher of it. Like, you can be awesome at anything in life, and that doesn't mean you could... You know, basically mentor other people to be good at it. like I, I i'm i know i'm a terrible teacher of anything i'm just not i know how to do things on my terms so i'm 100 percent with Paige on that. yeah i remember the first time i went out golfing i went out with the guy that owned the bar that i managed for him you know and it was like my first real time trying to golf as opposed to a kid just hitting balls and it's the worst i mean it's it's the you might as well just get it i mean it's a, if somebody wants to take the time to do it with you that's amazing i actually think it's kind of rare somebody who's good enough who's like i'm gonna go spend a round you know i only get so many rounds and i'm gonna spend a round now with somebody who has no fucking clue and it's gonna be a disaster the whole time it's gonna take forever people are gonna have to let people play through like it does it does suck like i would say most people that are decent at golf probably don't want to spend time teaching somebody else unless it's a child um in that case and i remember you know the guy was nice enough to take me out and i'll never forget man like there was another crew of locals. And again, this is Vermont. So it's a little, be a little hick-ish at times. I don't think anybody would, uh, would take offense to that. And I'm at some like, you know, beat up course, a little out of town. There's a bunch of fucking local guys drinking beers on their carts. And I have to hit a shot in front of them. And I'm not even like in a clean lie. And I ground the fucking club. The ball hits the, the, the tree. It's a mess. And the guys started just howling, laughing at me. <laughs> And the guy who was the owner, he was a, he was legitimately a tough guy. And he was like, Hey guys, it's his first time golfing. Like he fucking relaxed a little. That's and one guy I stared at was like, I'm never like, I'll never get, <laughs> I, I said something to him. I think later that summer, I was like, I'm never going to forget that motherfucker. Like, cause he's just sitting there, huge, huge gut beers just on it. His feet are up on the cart. It's like, all right, cool. You swung clubs for, for a couple of years yeah. and figured out how to dial in your seven and eight irons. This is my first day out here and you're fucking heckling me. And again, they were drunk, but I, I remember being like seething, seething. And then guess who got good, good at golf later, later in his twenties. I actually was decent. I was like old, decent to play with. Yeah. Old chip on the shoulder. Rye. Just, we never, never lived that down. Never let people forget that. 
No, I'd still be a problem if I saw him. What's up? Well, I was going to say my approach to golf is probably one that I don't really feel super embarrassed about holding people up because that's really why it would it kept me off the course for a long time is like holding people up. But now I just I don't count. I don't like count at all. And I pretty much just keep go, score. You mean? Yeah, I don't don't keep score. And I don't I pretty much go through like 20 to 30 balls. And that way I just I'll drop it wherever I want. I'll play with my guys because I just like being out there. But I don't know if I'll ever get better because because I'm not I'm never holding anyone up. But also, I'm never keeping score and probably getting better. So, I don't know. I've been out like four times, and each time I pretty much go through 20 balls. Um, I'm usually impressed by if, like, by the back nine, I still have, like, half the amount of balls that I started with. That's kind of where, that's my benchmark for golf. Yeah. But, like, but, strokes and balls. I really yeah. enjoy it. Honestly, yeah, that's not a crazy thing. Like, yeah, that's no, what I'm counting. It's when you stink, and I, you know, I'm no longer any good, and if you play, and you go, oh, shit, I didn't have to buy six more balls at the turn. Like, mm, we're doing all right. You got any more Dunlops in there? Yeah. All right. Okay, let's get to uh, a couple of the emails here. Although, wait, I knew there's a lot of follow-up stuff here. We have to do this one. The Mancation Hartford update, it's quick. Mm. Remember our guy was going to see a show, fish show, and he wanted to know, like, what to do. And we said, just go to West Hartford. Uh, you guys were right. We had a fun time, obviously. Fish show was great. Hartford is interesting. Never have I been anywhere where the locals know less about a place. We assumed bartenders, Uber drivers, et cetera, we asked, uh, were pretty basic questions, uh, were new to town. So basically, he said everybody they ran into wasn't from there. Um, we, when we questioned where everyone was, when we entered yet another empty bar or restaurant, they're all at the beach, was the response. Are they all of them? <laughs> they're not all at the beach. There's just nobody lives there. Yeah, there's nothing to do. There's nothing to do there. Like it's not like when you no say, one hey, lives what's, there. What's good in town. Yeah, I, there, there's a couple go, really nice restaurants. There's a there's a couple nice bars. You know, um, I'm not one to get in another's business, nor am I a real estate tycoon. But does anyone consider developing along the beautiful river that runs through downtown? I think they did yes. try. Yes, was, they tried, and it didn't work. And the Patriots were coming, and Bruce Armstrong oh, showed up man. to like the Hartford Civic Center. I think in 1999, their left tackle, and. It was that Adrian's Landing. Was that what it was going to be? There was going to be all this stuff. I think they still did do some of it. I think there's like a little science museum down there that people kind of like. And honestly, when I read any late 1700s, early 1800s, Hartford to Middletown, that was a fucking vibe back then. People were constantly <laughs> hanging out there, stopping off, seeing what's going on. If you look at the old insurance mansions on that stretch from Hartford into West Hartford, you're like, wait, look at these houses. These are yep. insane how nice this is. Um, but uh, it just, it just fell off, man, and it's been in a long recovery. Taxes are crazy high in Hartford. My dad, by the way, to this day, still hates Robert Kraft because of that. Like he'll never—that's he's probably in his top five of least favorite people on earth because he toyed with Connecticut about moving to Hartford, which is never going to happen. Never. Um, so, listen, th there's some cool things about Connecticut. Hartford's just Hartford. Ironically, their their catchphrase is Hartford has it. Hartford really doesn't have it, but there are other no. parts of Connecticut that have it. I remember somebody saying, hey, you should probably make fun of Hartford less when I was at ESPN. And I went, really? Like, I live there. I live, I'm in Hartford. Yeah. I'm in it. I, you know. Did you I'm, see, uh, did you see the Rogan? I guess he recently came out and said that Connecticut is like the worst state. Like, Connecticut sucks. It's like the worst state in the union. There's nothing to do there. Everyone there is depressed and it's a deplorable place to be. Mike, have you, you know, all right. That's yeah, not fair. In a certain place. Yeah, it's not. I've been, it's really not. I've been almost everywhere, and I still think 
you know, if you don't appreciate the New England charm thing about it, then I've been fine. But I remember like running into people from ESPN and I'd been to where they were from. And I'm like, the idea you think where you're from is better than some of these cool pockets of Connecticut. It's great. It, and you know, I love how somebody in the middle of, of some of like the really sparsely populated areas in the Midwest and West, like, oh, Connecticut sucks. It's not near anything. Like you still can actually go to New York City and Boston. Uh, New York, depending on the time you go, two hours, Boston, a little less. I'm not telling you it's the best. I'm just telling you I don't think it's the worst. Hartford, however, is is a is a challenging hang. All right, moving on to emails here. Spotter expectations. All right, let's do a gym one. We never do these. Longtime listener, uh, eagerly awaiting South of France travel log. I don't know when it's going to come out. Uh, I'm 24, 6'4", 220 at 13% body fat, so I don't meet the never fight this guy threshold, but maybe soon with a winner ball, right? That's what we said, 6'4", 230 mm. is the threshold. I still feel strong about that, removed from it. I'm an ex-college athlete, so I'm used to the collegial spotting etiquette during lifts. This obviously halted once I left college in 2020, and with people being COVID cautious in the last few years nowadays, I generally never ask strangers for spots, but I'm always willing and quite competent, in my opinion, as a spotter. All right. Awesome. Dudes love Good spotters make great parents. This takes us to chest day a few weeks ago. I have a shoulder issue, so I stopped doing big barbell bench press, and I always start with heavy incline dumbbell press. Because of the shoulder issue, I usually have a tough time getting the right momentum to put the dumbbells in a good position for rep one. Uh, I actually know exactly what this guy is talking about. You're swinging the dumbbells back to you as you lay onto the bench, and this time incline, sometimes flat, but you're starting at such kind of a deficit that that first rep with a really, really heavy dumbbell can be a very tough one to pull up uh, or push up. I guess we should say it that way. So anyway, uh, my solution, not ideal, I know, is trying to get the right swing a few times, which works two-thirds of the time and or go, giving up and going down a bit in weight. All right. Really in the uh, weeds here. Yeah, right, right. So he's, he's suggesting the other time it doesn't work, he just goes down and wait. Okay, we got that. But he's trying to get the right swing a few times. Uh, this is always infuriating because if I can get the weight up on the first rep, uh, I judge my positioning. I can usually go three times, three sets of 10 to 12 reps. This is actually very accurate. Okay. Not suggesting he was lying here, but. I don't know. Some people are like, hey, you're going to do one about Paige again. Uh, so anyway, uh, a few weeks ago, I'm going for a new PR, personal record, 110-pound dumbbells, three times 10 reps. Uh, had mildly friendly small talk with a guy. Let's call him Jeff. Are Jeffs generally friendly? I don't think I've met I a think, bad Jeff. Yeah, I feel like it's more hit or miss, but if you say so, Kyle, we'll go with that. Uh, so I asked for a spot, first time ever asking for a dumbbell bench spot. I explained that I need help with the first rep, and then I'm going for 10 reps with no help after that. He was great. Helped get the first one up. Didn't touch the other reps. Even helped me do a few extra assisted reps at the end. Those are hands just underneath the elbows. I came away with an entirely new view on public spotting culture. Then last week, I'm having trouble with my rep one of 110 pounds again. It's an empty gym with a decently big looking guy, six feet, 210. That's not that big, but uh, it's noticeably less muscular than me. Let's call him Frank. I wait until he's done. This Frank guy doesn't sound like it's going to work out at all. Um, I ask him for a spot, clearly explaining, I just need help getting the first rep off and then we'll go for 12 more by myself. He says yes unenthusiastically. 
I put the headphones in, mentally readying for a PR and swing the weight back. If somebody's spotting you, I think a good move is to take out one of the earbuds and leave the other one in if you need the music. I just think that's good for communication. Take that. Smart. Don't. Yeah. I would agree. Take it or don't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I push for 30 seconds and he just stares at me. The guy's in a hold motion for 30 seconds. He just, he just watches him. <laughs> Frustrated, I drop the weight and explain to him again, I can't get the first rep by myself and then I'll do the rest without help. Explaining I need him to just push my elbows up a little bit to get me in the right position. He nods and says, okay. So I try again. And again, he does nothing but watch as I struggle. I drop the dumbbells, tell him I'm done. He shrugs, smirks, and walks away. Now that my shoulders are shot, his shoulders shot from being in the worst position for a minute, I go down to 75-pound dumbbells, defeated, and rep out like 25 times three. It's pretty good. Chest day energy is ruined. My question is generally, what should I expect from spotters in a public gym? Um, it's a New York City equinox for context. Am I right to be angry with this guy? Or did the first guy set my expectations for a spotter too high? I generally have low expectations for people, so this may be a rare overestimation. Am I in the wrong for asking this random dude during his workout for a spot, can he just say no if he doesn't want to do this, doesn't want to? All right. Um, wow. Okay, I have a question for you. Are you starting with 110s? Because if you're starting with 110s, that's, your shoulders are going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? All right? I can't imagine that you are. You should do some light band work or maybe do some cable flies before you even start on this kind of stuff. I mean, trust me, there's days where I put 135 on on a flat bench and I'm like, the first set, I'm like, you know, and then guess what happens? 90 seconds later, I do it again. And like, I can't even feel this. Right. So I assume if you're this strong, you are warming up here a little bit. But since you said you're looking to do three sets of 10, I mean, shit, sometimes I'll grab 30s and 40s. Like I'll, I'll just warm up, warm up until I actually start feeling better and getting everything loosened up. But the shoulder thing sucks because you're right. You're starting at this really tough spot. So obviously you were shot there. As far as the spotting part, the first guy sounds like he's fucking awesome at it. And most people aren't that great at it. You know, you can say, hey, don't touch, don't touch. But in this case, you needed help on the first one. So either the second guy, Frank, is just a raging dick to just watch you struggle the whole time. Or he probably, probably didn't really quite understand what you meant by help. Like he probably thought you were, as in a normal situation, you were going to get a bunch of reps and then maybe needed help with it towards the end. And he just didn't understand this enough. Uh, asking another guy for a spot is always a little dicey. Uh, I try to size somebody up if I'm going to do it, which is still, you know, most things I'm not going to ask somebody for. Um, but in the case of just being safe, if you're going heavy on a bench, just a regular bench, you know, you got to kind of scout, like how good are your scouting eyes there on that kind of stuff. So I don't think you were wrong about any of this. Uh, whatever New York City Equinox that I've been to, there's usually plenty of people around. Sometimes you could try to ask a trainer, but at the same time, if a trainer's doing personal training, you know, they're not going to want to stop because that client is paying them specifically that money. So maybe you can wait it out and find them over in that room where they're usually hanging out, charging their phones, talking about the rest of us. Uh, but yeah, I think you were right here, but not everybody is, is good enough. And it sounds like he didn't really quite understand. So I don't know. That was a lot. Yeah, you're definitely not wrong for asking somebody. It's not like you're asking them, hey, can you watch my kid for five seconds? Like, that's definitely a thing that you can ask at a gym. But you're right. <laughs> But you're right <laughs> that when you ask anything extra of anybody, you just got to be prepared for them to do a bad job or do just not know what you're. So, like, I think it is you, you picked the wrong one, but it turns out you can also pick the right one. So I think you're not an asshole. And this is like completely par for the course when you ask somebody to do anything for you. 
other than nothing. So, yeah, I think this doesn't even have to do with lifting in general. Like some people are just generally helpful and some people aren't like this. Probably this, this guy probably is kind of a shitty friend too. I'd imagine Frank, like he'd be probably not, I don't know, great in relationships as well because he doesn't pay attention. He doesn't listen. He doesn't care about other people. Whereas Jeff, the first guy is probably a great friend and a great, you know, lover. He probably does. He cares about other people. I think this extends beyond lifting. It's just some guys are dicks and some guys aren't. Some guys care about the fellow man and some people don't. And you found a guy who doesn't really give a shit and only cares about himself. The only part that bothered me was that he said he, the guy smirked. I don't know if that's his imagination, putting a smirk on this guy's face as he walks away or if like, or if the guy's like dumb, didn't realize that he needs help. And it's like, guy can't even fucking lift that. He was just trying to just try to make a show of it and he can't even do it, even though you're the guy who needed to help him in the first place. That was the only yeah. part that bothered me a little bit, but it sounds like he just didn't understand and he was just sort of like, I'm in the gym and I can lift whatever I try to lift and this guy can't. The, tr the truth here though is like more, we we can't handle it as human beings, but because I just don't think we like honesty. We say we like honesty, but we really don't. Like Frank just should have said no. And I and, and that would have been way cooler. Like if you say no, I, I can't spot you or I don't want to spot you. That'd be way better than you give me a shitty spot. Like then, you know, I just I love more people no. need to do that. More people yeah. need to be okay with people telling them no, but they just aren't. So he's like, sure, I'll do it, but I'm gonna do a half ass job. And then it ends up being shitty for everybody. So we just need to normalize saying no. Normalize no. There's another t shirt. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, We've got like 10 go. t shirts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, there's guy, the guy I didn't give a spot to because I thought I had a hernia for a little while. And the thing that hurt the most was like pulling up like a front forward pull up, which is exactly what spotting would be. I was like, I've got this thing. I can't figure it out. I went to the doctor. He said it wasn't that. I took medication for 14 days. I didn't feel any different. And it's still sort of lingering and hurts. And I'm convinced my entire undercarriage is going to rip apart one day. Um, and he was, you know, the guy, and this guy's really strong. He's, he might be the single strongest guy at the gym. He's incredibly strong. He had like 405, maybe four. 425 <laughs> was like hey can you get me <laughs> i'm like actually i can't quick and aside, that's it yeah quick aside uh i know he was like throwing out like specific weights of people at the gym like oh this guy was 210 this guy was two whatever he's obviously guessing that are you i i feel like i can't guess I, if you asked me to guess kyle or yours weight i would have no idea is that like Let's something i should be better at i don't know like, can you guess how do my you not weight? know because I mean, i've mentioned mine yeah you don't know that's a bad I, that's a bad thing and i guess i've only really met kyle in person once but like if you were just like line up five dudes and be like and they were all different shapes and sizes, and tell me tell me what their weight is i would i don't think i would even be close that'd be a great show <laughs> <laughs> be a great show. Dude's waiting Except dudes. for guys have to do it for girls and girls have to well, do it for guys. Well, they did it. They did it already. I mean, back in the back before they had TV and stuff, this was actually a form of entertainment. Yeah, the carnival. Yeah, or something. yeah county fairs. But like, there's a huge line. What is it? Oh, he's guessing weight. Holy shit. Yeah. Where can I get a ticket? Yeah, uh, it's like guess, guess the beans in the bottle or whatever. That, that's what like are you, 178, Saruti? Oh, my God. No. No, 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 no. I'm One, 167? Around there. About probably 162, 163. Oh my God, I was used off, to be used life. to be slimmer. I used to be like 158, and I'm carrying out these days. Yeah. How'd you even get on no this muscle. show? I have no muscle. I'm just telling you, I'm kind of skinny. I'm I'm your definition of skinny fat. I'm not in good shape. I just I, I'm not fat. Uh Kyle, 240. Oh no no no! I'm fat. I'm not skinny. I'm fat. <laughs> <laughs> you actually I'm like are. You're just a big dude. Yeah yeah. I carry I carry better. You're than a big think. dude. I carry no, better than I think some people. See, that's do. why I thought you were 240. Because you don't, you're 260. Holy shit. Yeah. Kyle's bordering on the guy you don't fight. He's, he's like an inch away. Oh, I think Kyle's been, he smashed through with passport stamped. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I sit on Hollywood Boulevard. Not everybody thinks that. So uh, I'm just, I'm, every day I come home safe is a good day. 
<laughs> yeah, but it's not even that you're big. It's that Kyle, I know, I can tell when he was younger, and who knows if it's still in there a little bit, he would be the I don't give a fuck guy. And he would just like, everybody else would be chirping. Kyle would just be like, all right, enough of this. Way more to um, lose nowadays. That's for sure. More to lose. Yeah, more I'm glad. Lose. I'm glad. I, I hope it's restrained somewhat. Okay. Jesus, I, I whiffed on Cerutis. I don't, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I've never sniffed 178 in my. Have you ever been 170? No, no. What I'm, about the heaviest some... I, I'm the heaviest I've ever been right now. I've got, I'm carrying on a couple extra pounds. I'm not happy about it. I got to get back on the Peloton. I, you know, you, it's been wedding season. Your, what, 12th wedding in a row? Yeah, this is my, this is my fourth <laughs> wedding. Uh, seriously, this is like my fourth Guys wedding. Guys drinking champagne uh, twice a weekend. In a couple months, hanging out here. Uh, I'm in Long Island this weekend. Are you so. hung over all the time lately or what? What's going on? <laughs> I don't look great. I'm going to be honest with you. It's lighting, I promise. <laughs> I actually didn't drink last night. We didn't drink last night, but no. No. Well, my sister's wedding was two weeks ago. That was, I had a hangover for a few days on that one. My buddy got married three weeks ago. This one, I'm not in this one, so I could actually kind of enjoy this one and not have to like feel like I'm responsible for anything. So I'm looking forward to it. Did your cousin ever get married? What's going on with her? She is married. <laughs> she is married. Oh. Two kids. <laughs> Two kids. <laughs> Gonna leave that alone. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't make that joke anymore. Uh anyway. Sorry. Did I did I cross the line there? Because you were like, we're gonna leave. It's been, yeah. it's been brought up many times. I I don't Yeah, care. right. Right. I don't care. Suri has a very attractive cousin. Is that fair to say? Yep. And she's dead. Okay. So right. And now, yeah, right. now yep. she's married. She's got a couple of kids. Rasilla, shut the fuck up. Yep. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, am I overly pedantic? Quick definition check on pedantic. Uh, fixing people's mistakes. Like saying you're doing this wrong to people. Okay. Got it. So like if you, Kyle, were to say anyways be like oh whatever anyways and if i said to you well it's actually anyway yeah i had a guy that used to say nowadays and i i couldn't stop myself from telling i think it's nowadays nowadays yeah That's he would say now in days like mon pa or something so i had to i guess i had my moments too i always like intense and purposes oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. intense and purpose or whatever um intensive purposes no, I know. I'm saying intense. Yeah, no, I know. Right. But then you, I just added on purposes to make it even worse. Uh, all right. So the guy's wondering if he's basically correcting people. 5'11", 175, former college athlete and still try to train like one for some reason. Hey, bro, fucking join the club. There's <laughs> a safe space, buddy. The rest of you, the rest of this, you may be totally wrong and suck. But in that, in that first line, don't worry. Hey guys, I've always been, uh, I've always known about my pedanticism. <laughs> However, an incident this past weekend turned into a scuffle between my girlfriend and me that made me ponder enough to email in. He better not fuck up any of this email. I, punctuation, grammar. I don't know. Phones have made me so much worse with any of this stuff now. It's brutal. All right. I've always known about this. All right. Me and my girlfriend are great. Not an issue or the main topic of the story. The scuffle occurred when we were speaking. And for some reason, she asked me, what is 25% of 20,000? Rather than provide the answer, I said something along the lines of, quote, eh, I'll let you ponder that one for a sec. Hmm. She spun her tires for a while. Proper use of a while. That one's getting trickier now with phones. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, then asked for help again. Quote, please just tell me. As you might guess, I refused and made her look it up on a calculator with the reasoning you should know how to calculate 25% of 20,000 in your head. Come on. Does anyone have the answer? 25% of 20,000? Yeah, five uh, times five is 25,000. So, which means it's less than that, which means it's less than that. <laughs> Wait, didn't I just say it? No, you did. But Kyle, did you did you say of 25,000 or 20,000? You said it's what's 25% of 20,000? Yeah. Five times four. So yeah, it's 5,000. All right. Well done. Sometimes they're so, guys sh- sometimes it's so somebody like, nah, I fucked this up, didn't I? It's an easy one. Yeah. I'll, I'll give them that. It's not the hardest equation. Yeah, but math under pressure is uh, yeah, but you like math under pressure remove zero. So. That's the one kind of math you kind of have to be able to do by yourself. If if there's like a one where you wish there was a zero, I could see how you'd be like, all right, maybe break out the calculator. But when it's just removing zeros, I could see. Oh my God, Michael's a genius! All right, so <laughs> while I am uh, a perfectionist and hold myself to high standards, I'm not this annoying with everything. Rather, I'm pretty laid back and enjoyable to be around. The issue is there are just some things in life I believe everybody should know and execute properly. Simple mental math like this and basic grammar, i.e. your versus your, there, there versus there, right? Yeah, no, I mean, those. if somebody keeps fucking up your all the time or there all the time, it could be a bit of a turnoff. If you're just texting with an opposite sex early on, like, you know, speaking of sex, you keep fucking that up. Mm-hmm. the yours and yeah. you know but it's not something you should call out it's something you should be like all right noted this is this is a red flag right and if the other person's way out of your league you're not going to correct it are you yeah and then yeah. that is cute go. it's a cute simple flaw. math yeah. simple math <laughs> <laughs> um i remember when i first started texting i would make sure i would make proofread. sure i would like i would yeah i would proofread it yep. i'd be like i make you know it was 10 now, cents you better get it right dude right yeah, <laughs> before seven o'clock. <laughs> Is that an age joke? <laughs> yeah, I had ten cents. Good one. I had ten cent text. <laughs> you guys know that back in the day with cell phones, there were windows where yeah. you, yeah, right, seven o'clock right thing. So the girl I was, I was like, "Don't call me at six. <laughs> she was like, "I miss you and love you," and I was like, "Don't call." Yeah, such a dick. The worst. Okay, uh, those are some of the most common examples. Do I know I'm an asshole for it? Absolutely. I'm just willing to be the asshole sometimes in hopes of teaching the other person to be better. I believe I draw the, quote, you should know this line low. It would not have acted like this if she asked a complicated math problem. Oh, really? If she didn't nail a fucking equation immediately, you would have been cooler about it? Um, or didn't use a semicolon properly in a sentence. Uh, but I must be honest, the line exists, and I will make a point if an individual falls below it. <laughs> Is it. this more annoying than helpful? Fuck, I didn't like this guy until that sentence. <laughs> the line exists, and I will make a point if an individual falls below it. Is this guy, is this the all-time comeback of the year? Uh, is this more annoying than helpful, or do you think people appreciate being encouraged to think and get things right for themselves? <laughs> no. I can tell you right now. Yeah, I was going to say that. The answer to that last one is an emphatic <laughs> fucking no, bro. <laughs> Nobody is like, man, that was super rude and kind of belittling. But fuck, he's trying to make me better. Yeah. 
<laughs> he's fucking Batman. He's like a the Dark Knights of Menace, but he's just sitting in his bat cave like, oh God, but they got their pronunciation right of uh now. That could be a good SNL sketch where the guy's just he's his superpower is being pedantic shit. <laughs> and he's just it's like, what's going on? <laughs> Somebody not know the difference between a comma. Whatever, I don't know. I'm just fucking, Proper use um, of a semicolon is a little aggressive. I mean, I get some simple math and like they're there and you're your. I don't know. Like His line, his bar is too high. I'm just to say that right now. I think there's probably way more examples than he listed too. I think that's just what 100%. he could remember. I think it's probably here's my guess, Here's ugly. my, I think, I think the line should be destroyed. I think you should just keep moving through life. We all have things that we maybe want other people to do better. But man, your girlfriend, she doesn't want, she doesn't want to hear this shit. Nobody does, okay? But you're like dating her and you're telling us everything else is great, but like stop doing it to her. I don't I don't know that what's what's the other angle? Is there anyone listening to this? It's like, you know what though? He's got simple a point. math. <laughs> simple math off the top of your head is a pretty valuable asset. And he's right. I don't think anybody I, feels this way. Like I there's there's a small part of me that doesn't want to be like a total asshole to the emailer where I'm like, okay, but because I love that one line. Maybe you could just stop. You know, maybe you could just stop. I'll, I have a friend, okay? I have a friend who... He was he was kind of like this. And, you know, he would... He would be the guy that would, like, talk to a stripper and be like, do you really want to be doing this? Oh, God. You know? Oh, God. Like, that would be his mode of, of communication at strip club. Um, he, he would be somebody who, I don't know. It was just fucking weird. He would, whatever it was, he would kind of be like, mm, you know, are you sure? And it wasn't like he was the healthiest guy ever. It wasn't like he was crushing it. He wasn't making the best decisions all the time, but he would be somebody that would kind of like, and guess what? Nobody fucking likes it. Nobody likes it. And you have to figure out a way to remove this from your repertoire of conversation would be my advice yeah first of all thanks for listening really appreciate it <laughs> yeah thanks for listening <laughs> really appreciate it so you got that much you got at least uh whatever percentage of simple math is of, of my sympathy for you there um i think we just talked about it i think it was this week sometimes you just got to mind your fucking business and you can mind your business when you're hanging out with your friends too and i think you just got to find a way to mind your business when you're hanging out with your friends and your girlfriend i think you'll you'll see a drastic percentage of improvement I also think this might be kind of like a young guy thing too. Like sometimes, you know, you're like, oh, I feel like I have to fix and Definitely. correct everything. And at some point you get older and you just stop caring about shit like that. Like that's happened to me. Younger me, not that I was like really that hung up on, you know, simple math equations from people that I was casually dating or I guess dating in this case. But the older me, even with my friends, like I would like be like, oh no, you're wrong. Here's why. And we would, you know, there's like bickering back and forth about little things that don't matter. And you just kind of realize that that shit doesn't matter. I will zag slightly. I respect, and this is again just to just to give a little credit to the EMR. I do respect that he, because we have this thing now where like grammar just doesn't matter anymore anywhere. Like texting, tweeting, like which is weird. Grammar's fucked, kind of. And I do respect that he's trying to bring grammar back <laughs> bring a back, little bit. Dude, yeah. Are but you shorting not, grammar? Not everybody. Not everybody is going to have the same enthusiasm as you do, and you're probably going to lose friends and alienate a lot of people if you're going to die on this hill all the time. Yeah, I think I did that in college, my close friends. I don't remember exactly what it was, but like they would say something like, I wish I had an example, but they'd be like, they would say something about history that was wrong or like something in passing that had nothing to do. I'd be like, no. And they were like, 
why are you always doing that, man? And I actually remember I had to wean myself off of it. I don't think I was correcting people's grammar, but I think it was like they'd say something yeah. that was wrong. I'd be like, what the fuck did you just say? Because we would rather, like, I thought it was a, an okay reason to rag on somebody because they would fucking find reasons to rag on each other for anything. And I was just like, wow, you just said a thing that was dumb. And they were like, why are you always doing that, man? So I stopped doing that years ago. Um, so, I, wait, you were correcting people on historical events? I was a history minor for a while there. I was really into oh, it. Oh, right. But it wasn't like, God, I, I don't nice. think it was historical us, events. I think it was Look like somebody would bring something. Yeah, we got more in common than we know. Um, I think they would bring something up and then somehow weave it in, like a pointless weaving into a story. And be like, well, that's what the fuck did you just say? And it wasn't always that. I just, I had my version of it. And I remember my friends like, you're always doing that, man. So I, I mean, I stopped. Um, but yeah, I had a, I had a buddy in college who, this is actually a weird story. He was kind of like between colleges. So he was spending some, <laughs> he was jobs. spending some, he was <laughs> spending some time. He was literally just staying with me at my, in my dorm and he would just come to classes that he wasn't enrolled. He didn't go to the school. He would just come to some classes. He was and just, my, well, he loved education clearly. It, well, it was a history class and, that, and we do like history um, with you there, Kyle. Um, and we were talking about Genghis Khan and our professor kept pronouncing it Genghis Khan. And he kept, he, he like raised his hand and was like, actually, it's Genghis. And they got this like back and forth. And turns out, I think it's like both pronunciations. <laughs> yeah, of course. But he was like, he kept correcting the professor in the class and he didn't it's even like go to the school. Like Sporanic. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you end up just looking like an asshole at that point. Like, what's the what's the end game here? Like, you girls think you're like, are girls going to want to date you because you're like calling out grammar or different spelling mistakes or historical errors? Like, not really. You just end up being an asshole. Like, nobody kind of likes that guy. So, hey, and again, you just got to learn that. Yeah, right. Like, dude. Uh, all right. I had everything memorized when I first started on the air. Fucking everything. Captain memorization. Like, really annoying. Stupid. And I had a co-host. We were talking about somebody in the Red Sox lineup. He's like, whatever. This guy's fucking barely hitting. He's like, he's like 240. And I was like 238. I said it on the air. I go 238. Okay. Uh, My father called me that day. He yeah. goes, hey, great show. Because don't ever fucking do that to your co-host. <laughs> He's like, you sounded like an asshole. He goes, you know that dead air? And I was like, well, you know, whatever. This guy's not paying attention. He's like, of all the times you're going to fuck with your co-host, that and he was just doing it as a listener. It's not like my father was on the air or anything like that. But he was just like telling his son in that moment, as a biased observer, he thought yeah. his son sounded like a complete asshole. And I remembered it. And then I'm, you know, you're right. Like, you're just right about it. Uh, I also think of a percentage point was not worth stopping the conversation <laughs> over. Yeah. And then there was like a little bit of dead air because I remember the host going, like, looking at me, like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> and I, I had an issue about the dynamic of, of what was going on there because, and it was totally unfair. Because the guy that was hosting the show was the guy that was, shout out to Pep, old zone days. But poor guy was like head of marketing and promotions and they made him the host. Yeah. And so I, you know, Mr. Me, Captain, I'm giving myself a lot of captaincies today, but uh, I think I've been on the air a year and a half. But I'm kind of like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, he doesn't know how to host or whatever. And so I had, I had like a little attitude about it. And, you know, that a lot of that attitude gets back to insecurities about your own career and being on the air, which is a whole other podcast that uh, we will not do right now. But yeah, I'm just telling you, I don't, I don't think there's many people listening to this being like, I don't know, 5,000 is a pretty easy number to get to there. It's just going to bum her out the more you keep doing it. And then her yeah. tolerance for it's going to actually go down. Yeah. Change your it's ways. Go up. Change your ways. Yeah. Yeah, I hope somebody could use the phrase uh, "between colleges" from this. I just—that's my favorite part of this whole thing. <laughs> between, I'm, yeah, wait, I'm wait. technically between colleges right now. If I ever go back to school, right? 
Can we? Yeah. Quick follow up. Great job, yeah. Kyle. Not doing that because of tension, perceived tension. Okay. Your buddy got he got what kicked out or failed out of one school, hadn't made a decision yet, and decided to just go to school with you without accruing any credits and living in your room, just going yeah, to classes. He was bored, uh, and my other my roommate at the time. I was going to say, what did you think about that? <laughs> no, my so it was, it was a two bedroom room uh, room situation. My roommate at the time was dating somebody, so he just like stayed with her. It was fine. So we had kind of this extra bed, and we played like a shit a shit ton of two K seven. Um, a lot, of, a lot of fantasy drafts, and so we just played a lot of 2K. He came to some classes. He ate at the dining hall. He was just kind of like a guest at the school, and, you know, he went, I think the next semester he went to, he, but he was transferring, but he didn't know what he wanted to do, and uh, he <laughs> His was, parents was kind of, were okay with this? Well, they were probably better than him going back home. Like, they didn't, have, they didn't want to deal with him, so yeah, he was just hanging out with us. It was fine. It was actually did, pretty cool. Did people, did people love it? <laughs> probably not my other roommates, because it was one of those situations where roommates. it was... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> There was six. There was six people in the actual like dorm itself. Sweet. It was three separate rooms, and everybody got there was you know paired up rooms. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like he definitely used some of the utilities and probably ate some of the food. But I don't know. We <laughs> yeah, all what chill, can you guys. do? <laughs> I did that. Like a couple months. I did that yeah. in L.A. My buddy, my, my buddy from home, moved out. Like stayed, stayed on the couch for a weekend and never left. And then my other roommate one day just kind of moved out. He was like, it was probably like seven months, and he was like, "Hey, man, I got to get out of here. This guy's been here for fucking eight months. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this." <laughs> and then he just took the other bedroom. Uh, yeah, that's so like that's crazy. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's like that. <laughs> what a fucking asshole. Man. It was a great time. It was a yeah. great time. I, mean, yeah. I don't know. All right. I think that was sophomore year. I want to say, yeah, we lot going on. Better time. Yeah, that doesn't feel like a senior year thing. I think at that no, point, no, it was on campus. To, it was on yeah. campus. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know how they never like. How would you ever catch somebody? You know, the the professor like wasn't taking roll call. It was just somebody in the class too. So. It'd be great if he was like holding himself to a certain standard. He'd be like, oh, fuck, I missed class. Can I get your notes? And he'd be like, why do you want my notes? It's an 8 a.m. Yeah, 8 a.m. class. He's like waking me up. Yeah, I'd be like, shit, what'd you guys go over? Why do you care? Yeah. It's modern Russia day, so we got to This is an important one for us. Yeah. No, but he's uh, not like he's taking exams that go towards anything. Did no, he take he exams? The, no, he just skipped the exam. He would just go to the class. What about a PowerPoint? Did he ever do like a PowerPoint? Really, really fucking lay out for, no. <laughs> for a presentation? Was he? Was he well, I got to ask. Was he like, Hooking up? Uh, no, no, not really. <laughs> he was supposed to, like, mostly just going to class and playing 2K. <laughs> that's really, that's really about but it. But what, like, what would happen on a Friday? Like, I just would he'd love a, to know. Yeah, he'd be around. He'd be around. Uh, and I think girls kind of knew the deal. I mean, he wasn't like a quote, <laughs> I guess at that point, deal. it doesn't really matter if you're a catch or not. Cause like, we were still like three years away from graduating. So it wasn't really, we weren't really about like future prospects. You're telling but... us he wasn't the hottest guy in your group. I think I understand <laughs> reading between the lines here a little <laughs> no. bit. Just, I would yeah, just love to know he, he like was, what his game was if you were going none. out. Was, and she's like, was, did you transfer here? He's like, no, I'm actually just sort of hanging no. out, stopping by a lecture, playing some vids. Again, you know. he was more he was he was more interested in our 2K franchise and that that one history class wow. that was the party. The party this guy's a there. legend. What's he do now? He, is he successful? Yeah. Yeah, he actually is. Yeah. yeah. He was between right. colleges. He was always thing. going back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, it like, it, it makes sense a, that he's successful. Sorry, sorry, I'm interrupting because no, he was that didn't dedicated. Really know what he was, we didn't really know what he was doing for a while, and uh, like career wise, kind of bounced around, and you know he's doing all right. He's he's doing fine. So good for him. Good guy. Sounds like it. Good good for him. Okay, <laughs> that's today's show. Thanks to Saruti, his mysterious buddy, <laughs> and of course Kyle as always. 
Please subscribe to Ryan Russillo Podcast right here Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.